the big question uh, for us as we work our way through this is what are the big lessons, the big lessons that we learn from the past? And think about yourselves that uh, what lessons would you learn if you yourself, just think about yourself, reflect on you, not your neighbor, not someone else, but if you really took a courageous look um, at yourself and what lessons would you learn if you looked at your past and really did a, 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 an autopsy on your past, what lessons would you learn? What lessons would you learn if you took a courageous look at the present, your present life as it is right now, and the same thing if you took a courageous look at the future, what lessons would you learn? Now, in taking a courageous look at my past, I discovered some things about myself. Uh, one, I learned some things about me that um, I'm not necessarily really, really happy about. But um, the question is, what are the big lessons that I learned from the past? And then, of course, when we look at the present, what do you have right now in your life? What do you have right now in your life? That's going to be, that's going to follow. And then we'll progress to taking a courageous look at the future. What will happen to me? These are questions that we all individually will ask ourselves. What will happen to me if I stay on this current road? Not the road I've been to, not the road that I, um, you know, hope to get to, but if I stay right here on this road, what will happen to me? And then one that I uh, am in great anticipation myself for hearing, a courageous look at those around me. What will happen if the people around me don't change? What will happen to us as a country if our country doesn't change? And you can spin that a lot of different ways, but this is the direction that we're going to be going, and as, as of course, hope all of you have your, your sermon notes is listed there. Now, in your, your notes, um, Pastor Rick has listed here his big thought and the things that the past has taught, taught me, but uh, he's mentioned several times that even uh, with all of the sermons, we do what we call a sermon talk-through. And uh, even though it's 100% his work, and, uh, but there's a team of us that go through it, and uh, it's, a, it's a great process. And so when uh, it was determined that I was going to be speaking, he did ask me or give me the liberty, if you will, to um, talk about my own story and to, to share mine. Now, you can see there uh, the two items that he has here. He says, you know, when I look back and see what, you know, I see that I was naive and inconsistent at times. Now, that's going to be tomorrow. You get to hear that tomorrow. I'm not going to tell his story. And then uh, he says, when I look back and see, I needed more up-close guidance. But as I've said for myself, I learned some things. And I, I just want to make a, a disclaimer as well because uh, many of you that may not know me very personally, this is, this is, this is really an uh, uh, interesting process uh, for me because I am very much a here and now kind of person. I'm very much one of those individuals. I live in the present, and any money that I haven't saved in the past, 
it ain't coming back today. Any weight that I didn't lose, I can't lose it today. I don't live with yesterday. I remember a lot of things about yesterday, but I just don't, I'm, I, I'm very much now. And so for me, I um, am, I fully embrace in Hebrews when it says that all of my sins have been cast into the sea of forgetfulness and that they've been washed away and um, his, you know, my sins and, and lawless deeds, the Lord, he doesn't even remember that. That's 100% me. And in Philippians, as we'll get to that verse as well, I'm also one of those that uh, the, the word admonishes us to forget those things that are behind. And, and so when I uh, ventured to really take this courageous look, I felt sort of a struggle, somewhat of a, a, a dichotomy. It's like part of the word says, I won't remember your sins. And then a part of it says, forget those things behind. And then it, it, it tells me to remember. So I was a, a bit conflicted. Because it's like, remember to forget, forget to remember. And so I had to kind of work my way through that. And um, the other part is, again, some of it was very emotional. So let me just move forward with that. Um, looking back helps us to really gain a real perspective about who we are. And better yet, it helps us to really understand better of what God has done for us and what he really wants to do in our lives. So what are my big lessons and what do I learn from the past? Um, some of my big lessons is um, related to decision-making, another big one, people, seasons, and of course, the whole moving forward process. So when I think about decision-making, I realized that there were some things that I could not see the consequences of some of my actions on the front end about things that I deeply regret now. But on the front end of that, I just really couldn't see it. And sometimes when you are defined as one of those individuals that, that's, you know, sort of smart, people don't always watch over you. They don't always give you the same attention that they give uh, the, or the same care and concern that they give other individuals that they define as more vulnerable. Uh, they do it with you all in the name of, you got better sense than to let someone make a fool of you. But I realized in looking back that I really needed a more uh, diligent, a real strong hand uh, of the right person to guide me in ensuring my best interest. Because there were, there were things that I was confronted with and I had to make decisions or make a decision. And when I look back, okay, it really wasn't the best decision. It really wasn't the right decision. But I really couldn't see that. So decision making for me is one of those things that I learned. And I am learning and, uh, to, to make better decisions now. And then there is the good old category of people. I allowed some people to have too much influence over me, which really caused me to compromise what I say, uh, what I, I define as real convictions. You can say, no, the, these are my values, and this is how I feel, and these are, 
you know, that, that's just you. But with the right person, if you are not careful, they will cause you to, they will have an influence over you that's really not the best influence. Anybody with me? Amen. And so as a result of that, there were some abuses that I experienced at the hand of trusted people. So when I think about my past, what happened is it really put me in a position that I really had to work for a long time to know how many things you had, how many of you had things to happen to you and you think, well, it happened to me because it was my fault, you know, because maybe if I had been different or maybe if I had been this, but no, it put me in a position that I had to really, really work through that. So some big lessons I learned from my past, one on decision-making and then about people and relationships. And it's not now that I don't trust people, but I trust with a better knowledge of about myself. I understand me in that that kind of person could have the wrong kind of influence on me. And then there's the, the seasons. Um, it was difficult for me to decipher that some hurts and frustrations were just for a season. There were some things, there are some things that we go through. It's just for a season. But when you're in that, you, you really can't know. You just think, man, it is summertime and it is 105 degrees. It's hot. Fall, my goodness, it's never going to come. And with some of the weather that we've had, you know, one day is hot, one day is cold. You just wonder, is there really even a consistent season for any period of time? But what happened with not understanding seasons to the degree that I do now is I didn't allow myself to fully experience some seasons because I was ready to move on to the next. I was ready to just not even learn whatever. We, you know, as, as believers sometimes, we're like, I don't know what the Lord's trying to teach me, but I need to hurry up and learn this lesson because I need to get out of this. It is hot, and I just want to get on it. But maybe the truth is I really didn't even understand or have the tools, if you will, to really even think that way. And so lessons, again, that I've learned on decision-making, people, and seasons, and my big one is the moving forward process. Now, for a very long time, I experienced every emotion imaginable by things that were the result of my own unredeemed thinking and actions. And as a result of that, I allowed myself to experience too much guilt and shame. And the ultimate result of that way of thinking is that it causes you to, it causes you to shrink back from the things that, that you have been assigned to do. It causes you that if you've made a mistake about something, I can see you making that same mistake, but then there's a reluctance that I have because it's like, well, you know, you did the same thing. Well, you know, you used to be this way, or you know, you used to be that way. So there's this sort of vicious cycle that you go through with that. So as you can see, and uh, hopefully the quietness in the room is no indication that I have just totally depressed you. But again, these are big lessons that I have learned. And it was uh, really liberating for me to actually go through these because uh, the, the thing that I know is the full history of all of these things. But it was so helpful for me to be able to list those out for you. 
One of the things that I learned, too, about uh, looking back is resurrected people, we look back differently. Um, we look at the past, um, and uh, when we take a look back, is, is how the past has affected us. And if you would look at your notes there, the two dangers when looking back at the past, we got two things. One, it can keep you tied and bolted to the past, and it can be the reason you stop reaching forward. It will be the reason that you can't sing the song that we just heard with your, your hands lifted, your hands raised, and really make that declaration because you are so tired. Philippians uh, 3, verses 13 through 14, it says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of Christ. We can focus so much on the past that we tend to linger on our, 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 our failures or even just a reverse of that. We just hold on to past victories rather than moving forward. So here, the Apostle Paul is saying that I don't count myself to have apprehended. I don't count myself to have arrived. But the one thing I will do is not, I will not allow myself to be bolted to the past. And with him, he was the one that had a history that he had persecuted the church and he had done all of these different things. So this is very powerful coming for someone that had a past like the Apostle Paul. But he said that it could be the same reason that we stop reaching forward. Again, we stop reaching ahead. We, we, we get stuck again with living with those same failures, living with those same relationship issues, living with those same issues like I can't ever get out of debt, living with all of the mistakes that you made that put your life maybe where it is right now. Now, if you got this great, wonderful life and you think, okay, well, I have arrived. Well, if, if things are not going well, you think it's because of all the past stuff that you've done. Uh, so in Philippians, when it tells us that we need to forget those things that are behind and reach forward to those things that are ahead, not forget it where it's washed out of your memory that you don't even remember it no more to that degree, but forget it as it relates to how it uh, uh, inhibits you with moving ahead in your life. We have to let go of some things. We have to let go all of the baggage. Just like that suitcase in the video became empty, that's how we have to come to God to be able to give those things to him and to be able to lay them at his, at his feet and be able to accept that, again, your sins, your lawless deeds, I don't even remember that anymore. But the enemy, when again, I, looking back, I could see so many different I call them traps, if you will. They were almost like um, uh, landmines that, you know what, I, I was close there. I was, almost, I was almost there. I was too close right there. I was, I, I, I was just in that place that, that I shouldn't have been. But when I look back over my life, I can really see God's hand weaving through every aspect and the plans that he had for me even though I couldn't see them, even though I aligned myself with the wrong people, 
I uh, was, was sharing uh, with a couple of the, of the folks in the, in the talk through, I said, you know, when I really think about, you know, you're, you're, let, me just, let me just say this right here. I'm, I'm about to trap up here. Because <laughs> I've been, I'm working on 35 years of marriage to the same person. But he knows that, that what, he wasn't my first love, okay? <laughs> so let me just put it out there. He was not my, what I thought was my first love. But when I look back and I saw the end result of my first love, God said no. Amen? So I can see is that no, I need to reach ahead. So again, the danger of looking back is it keeps you tied down. It keeps you, it stops you from reaching forward. It really robs you of your confidence. So you've got to look back through the eyes of the scripture and how he would have us to look. The second uh, may, uh, benefit, we got a danger when we look back, but there's two major benefits of looking at the past. And if you will look there in your notes, we will actually be in 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, the 6th through the 13th verse. And here, um, again, this is the Apostle Paul, and he's basically introducing to us uh, a history of Israel. And we remember with, with Israel, they, you know, were in bondage in, in Egypt. Um, God delivered them and guided them through the Red Sea. And, the, you know, they came out on dry ground, but the enemy drowned. And, you know, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years for some place that they should have been able to get to in a few days. But because of all the conditions and how they were, that just didn't happen. And, but as believers, we got to be able to, uh, again, look back with the right perspective and, 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 and see that the examples that God has given us. So what he's showing us here in ex is example, an example that we all can learn from. In verse 6, it says, now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after, after evil things as they also lusted. And do not become idolaters as were some of them as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink, rose up to play, nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. In one day, 23,000 people fell, nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents, nor complained, as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now, all these ha things happened to them as examples. So these things were written for our example to the intent that we should avoid some of these very same issues. And when we think about Israel, these were people that, God's hand was very much a part of, just like it is our lives, just like our lives. And they were guided by day by the cloud, by fire by the night. He provided for them. They were fed manna, just like he provides for us. And he, he, you know, he made provisions for them. And so when we think about the history 
when we think about them, we think about our own lives, people that we know, we look at all that God has done, but yet they had an issue. But yet they still struggled with certain things. He said, but these things became an example for us that we ourselves should not lust after these things. He admonishes us, do not become idolaters. Do not, do not idolize the things. And an idol is just really anything that you put above God. What are, what are the things that you have exalted above God? Is it a person? Is it a thing? And I'm not a basher of stuff. I like stuff, so I'm not doing that. But, it, but what are the things? You can make an idol out of anything. And, but he said, even when he says, the people sat down to eat and to drink and to rise up, you know, the, the Israelites, they made a golden calf. You can become impatient with what God is trying to do and is obviously doing in your life because it's not clear to you. You'll begin to compromise and do other things and, and be real happy about it. You know, a little bit of Jesus, a little bit of the world, a little bit of Jesus, a little bit of the world. Just sort of mix it all in, but you know what? A little bit of Jesus, a little bit of the world. You know, eat, let's all just eat, drink, be, mar be, be merry. Let's just do what we want to do. But in verse 8, it says, don't let us commit sexual immorality. Now, I'm not going to linger there, but I can tell you one thing. From the scripture, it really has some consequences. They said 23,000 died in one day. So if there's not a consequence linked to it, again, remember, he said, I wouldn't have you ignorant, brother. I've written these things. For, 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 our for your example. And then in verse 9, I love this, and he says, Nor let us tempt Christ, as some of you also were tempted and were destroyed by the serpents. And if you will go back in, even in, in Numbers 21 and look at that, is, you know, it's kind of like, oh, man, Lord, don't, don't let me be attacked and killed by snakes, you know. If you like me, you don't, you don't like snakes. But when we talk about tempting God, is, it's this whole idea of seeing, well, how much can I really get away with? You know, how much, you know, let me just, a little bit of Jesus, but how much can I really get away with? Or am I committed to doing the things that he has called us to do? And then there in verse 10, nor complain as some of them also complain and were destroyed by the destroyer. Complaining about the, the situation, not having a proper view of where you are. What we're looking at here is the benefits of looking at the past. We all could probably name people, and I know in my own life, um, that I can look back and there are some people, their lives at that time and even now, someone that I, you know, people that I think of. It reads like a proverb. It reads like a proverb to me in terms of what I don't want to happen. And then there are those, I mean, that's the other side, but that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about the past. We're talking about the examples that we can learn. What are the things that we can learn from our past that we can have a better life recipe? What are the things that we learn? And in verse 11, again, it says, Now all these things happen to them as examples, 
and they were written for admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. So the past, if properly viewed, would help us develop a better life recipe. And then number two, the past will remind you to pay attention to your temptations. How many of you ever been tempted? Amen. I know I have. And verse 12 says, therefore, let him who thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. There's no temptation overtaking you such as is common to man, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So when we look at the idols, we look at you know, the consequences of what could happen to us and how, let's also think about how have we tempted God? How have we uh, tempted him in a way? We tend to think about us being tempted, but how have we, how have we modeled uh, 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 that in our own lives in terms of tempting him, in terms of trying to see how much can we really get away with and still make it in or do uh, whatever he's called us to do. But the Bible says even with our own temptations, those things that we are drawn away by our own lust, it is not God trying to tempt us. He's, he's the deliverer. He's the one that, that's, that set us free. He's the one that's made provisions, but yet we'll say, well, the Lord is tempting me. No, God is not tempting you. Any temptation that's presented to you, that Jesus himself was tempted by Satan in the wilderness. And we too are going to be faced with those, the same things. But the word of God said that God is faithful. So seven things Paul is going to tell us, not only about our, our past temptations, but even the present situations of how do we even deal with the temptation. He reminded them, he reminds us, that we could fall. He said, take heed unless you fall. There again is no temptation. It's the same temptation that I'm faced with, someone else is going to be faced with that. The difference with any temptation is how well do you handle it? How well do you manage it? What decision do you make in that particular time? Now, there are certain times um, that I know I don't need to go to the mall. Because people say, well, I'm not going shopping because I don't have any money. And who said that was a prerequisite to go? You know, I'm not going, I'm not going to do this because I don't have this and I don't have that. I had a friend of mine that she didn't even want to have events at her house because she didn't have a certain kind of, um, you know, uh, China and, and all this other stuff. Well, for me, it was like, no, this is about fellowship. And one of my, um, my uh, cousins, whom I love very, very much, she was just... A Paul that one day he was there visiting at my house. She was there, didn't have any, uh, I didn't have any napkins at that particular time. And I mean, we were just having a sandwich. I surely wasn't going to give you one of my good linen napkins. We saved those for Easter and Thanksgiving and Christmas. So I had a nice clean bathcloth and nobody had used it. It was washed. It was fresh. I took it out. Like the goal is to wipe your mouth. Okay. And so it's like, no, I'm not being overly concerned about all of those things. But everybody is faced with the same situation. Everybody is faced with the same temptation. It's just how do we respond to those things. And then number two, 
he reminded them that they don't have unique temptations. Three, he reminded them that God has been faithful. In the, in the opening prayer, Brother David prayed, is that history teaches us that God is faithful. And again, even, even me with all of my lack of ability to make good decisions and that kind of thing, I can clearly see where God has been faithful to me. God knew the plans that the, the word declares, the plans that he had for me before the foundation of the earth. So what seemed like was a trap, what seems like it was something that was going to hinder me from being able to, to move forward in my life, it's like, oh, oh, no, God already knew. He already made a way of escape for me. And that's why we have to embrace forgiveness. We have to embrace who we are in Christ. We don't have to get stuck. We don't have to live with the baggage of the past because God is faithful. And then number four, he, he reminded them that God would not allow them to be tempted above their ability. It's no such thing now. You might give in and you, then you use the excuse, you know. It's like, what do we say? Well, I was just weak, you know. And uh, that's usually what I say. It's like, man, I just got weak. But no, I really did want that ice cream at 10 o'clock at night. No of them's going to cause me great pain at 5 o'clock in the morning. And I'm, you know, you know, you just kick yourself. It's like, man, I did it again. Just get weak. But the truth is we have the ability. Our ability in Christ enables us to be able to deal with every temptation. And then he reminded them that God would make a way of escape for them. Number six, he reminded them that God would help them bear their challenges. And he reminded them that life can be difficult even for faithful people. Now, since we are all family, I'm going to take a little pause here because I don't know how much time I have left. I don't know if I got six minutes and ten seconds left or is it six, ten. I got five minutes. The one thing I'm not going to do is go over. And so there are some closing questions you to consider. Have you allowed some big lessons that you've learned to go to waste? My answer is the same as it is here. Yes, for a season I did because I didn't understand seasons. Number two, have you allowed some big failures in the past to slow you down? Yes, good old shame. Have you ignored key things you should have dealt with? Yes, because I assumed God was going to take care of it. It's like, I don't need to deal with that. God going to take care of it. But everything that needs to happen in our lives, we're involved in the solution. Whatever the problem is, God is there because he's faithful. But it's, it's as simple as to get from one side of the street to the other. It's going to involve somebody, whether you just stand there and, okay, you're just about to get hit from, by the car. And someone's going to pick you up and take you over. But it's going to involve somebody else. It's going to involve you being involved in it. Don't assume that now God will give you a way of escape. And again, what's the big one? The credit card. I'm telling you, God is faithful. He's a deliverer. He'll make a way of escape. But you are going to have to spend your money every month to pay the bill to get it to zero. But it can get to zero. Whatever the situation is, it's going to involve us. It's not going to be that God is going to come down and he's just going to do all of these wonderful things. Now, we know he still worked miracles, 
but it's still you're going to be involved in the miracle. Now, there's a quote that this is Pastor Rick's friend that shared with him, and it says, don't let a moment in your past become a monument and stop your momentum. Don't let a moment in your past become, become this great big thing that every time you get to a certain place, every time you get to a certain point in your life, it's this big monument, this big badge of shame, this big badge of guilt, this big badge of fear, and all of these things that we saw that was re reflected there in the video. Don't let those things become a monument to you that you cannot press forward and that you cannot do the things that God called you to do. You, and that you just can't live the life, a simple life of enjoying and embracing. We, we too often allow ourselves to be defined by our failures rather than being defined according to what the Word of God has declared. So I am a living witness to you today that you can live past a past, okay? That you can live past a past and that your present time right now with God involved in it is better than the past that you've lived. I, I, I had some wonderful victories. I've had some wonderful failures. But for me right now, I want to be very present in the moment right now with who he has called me to be and what he has called me to do. When I look ahead, I look ahead with hope. I look ahead with, with excitement. I'm excited about my life. I like my life. And you should like your life. Amen? Amen. And again, the clock has me just a little bit because I don't know. I wanted all of my minutes, Bishop. <laughs> But it's okay. God is good. Amen? Amen. Amen. So next time, we're going to take a courageous look at the present. What tools do I have to work with right now? And the big question is, what do I have right now in my life to work with? And there are the answers there. Spiritually, we all have three things that we can take advantage of. God's presence, God's promise, and God's perspective. Amen? So begin to meditate on those things, and uh, let's give the Lord a hand of praise as you stand to your feet at this moment. Amen. I know we have, uh, have, have talked about a lot, and again, um, if nothing else, it was liberating for me because of the things that I myself had to, to remember things that I had to think about and uh, knowing those things, remembering some, some people, remembering just stuff, just remembering just the full impact of how my life could have been. Just thinking about I could not be standing right here. And for me, this is not a moment, but we all get it. I could be not standing here. I could not have the life that I have now. I could not enjoy the privileges that I have in my life. It's just endless. But when I take a courageous look, I know that 
I myself that I'm not by myself. I know there are others in this room that this word has caused you to think about your past in a way that maybe you had not thought about. It has brought to mind things that, just like me, it's like, whoo, forgot that, got past that. It's okay. It's good. But when we look at our past, I don't want us to look at it, again, with all of the bad, but we can be thankful and we can be grateful for what God has done. The Easter message, the theme was the resurrection changes everything. And October 18, 1985, the reality of the resurrection changed everything for me. It changed everything for me. Everything imaginable. And so when I look back, <laughs> I can look back and say, God, I thank you where you brought me from. I thank you what you did in my life. I thank you for who I am now. That I know that I'm strong and courageous. I know that I've been set free. I know that I'm no longer bound. So in, in, the, in, in light of this message, I'm going to ask for every head bowed and every eye closed. And because we are all family.